The text for the sermon this morning comes from Matthew 8, verse 1 to 4, and that is an account of Jesus' healing of a leper. So in connection with that, we'll read from Leviticus 13 and 14 regarding the laws in the Old Testament given by God to His people Israel regarding leprosy. So we'll read from Leviticus 13, the verses there that are printed on your bulletin, as well as chapter 14. begin with with Leviticus 13, verse 1 through 8. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. And if the spot is white in the skin of his body and appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if in his eyes the disease is checked and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption. And he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing... He shall appear before, again before the priest. And the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. Continuing with verse 45 and 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, chapter 14, the verses 1 through 20. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then, if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. 
and he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, and shave off all his hair, and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair. And then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day he shall take two male lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb a year old without blemish. And a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering along with the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand, And dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand, and sprinkle some oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And some of the oil that remains in his hand the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him. Before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. So far, our scripture reading. Let's sing in preparation for the sermon, hymn 25, the stances 1 to 3. That's a setting of Isaiah 53, and as you sing, you can think of how this prophecy in Isaiah regarding the Lord Jesus Christ, it portrays Jesus very similarly to the way that the leper is portrayed, or was even. So pay attention to how the Lord Jesus becomes, as it were, like a leper. So we're just saying that Christ was despised and by mankind rejected, a man of sorrows, burdened and afflicted, much like the experience of the leper, but that he was pierced because of our transgression, bruised for our sin. His punishments and passion procured our peace. His scourgings and oppression healed us again. We'd like to look at this theme this morning from Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Matthew 8. 
Matthew 8, verse 1 through 4. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, are you familiar with disease? Do you know the pain of loneliness and of relationships broken off? We live in a world that is groaning, a world where, humanly speaking, there are diseases that are incurable. A world where there are fractured relationships where bridges have been burned. There are bridges that can't be fixed without a miracle happening. This is the groaning world of broken relationships and incurable diseases that we live in. And sooner or later, more frequently or less, we are confronted with it. Our lives can only go on so long before we are confronted with the brokenness of this creation. Well, the leper in our text, he lived with this and was confronted with this reality of brokenness daily. His condition and his isolation from other people, it was a constant reminder to him The leper knew he was entirely at the mercy of God. There simply was no other way of healing and restoration. Nothing short of a miracle of God would make the difference. And we too, we long for a healing and a restoration that only God Himself can provide. And whether we have come to recognize and acknowledge it or not, you and I are also all of us, dependent on God to show us mercy. So, you don't doubt that God is able to make things right, do you? But are you confident that He is willing? You see, you and I are so very like the leper, and so the story in Matthew 8 speaks to you and me. The story meets us where we are at. And yet this story is also part of the bigger story of an even greater restoration than this healing of the leper. The story speaks of the fulfillment of God's promises to renew creation itself. It testifies to the arrival of the promised seed of the woman who will reverse the curse that lies over creation on account of human evil. 
It testifies that Jesus is the promised Savior. He is the Messiah, the Christ. And in Christ, we see that God is willing to grant restoration from all our ills and pains. Christ shows that He is both able and willing to give healing. And He shows that God's desires and purposes go beyond temporal and temporary healing. His purposes extend to the full and final restoration of body and soul, even to the ultimate restoration of the whole creation. But that restoration of the creation, it requires the complete removal of sin that entered this creation. That removal must come through the death and resurrection of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So that in a nutshell is the message for this morning. I may proclaim to you this morning then the willingness of God in Christ to grant restoration from all your ills and pains. And I may proclaim that the restoration is finished in principle through the death and resurrection of our Lord. So I proclaim the gospel from Matthew 8, verse 1 to 4 with this theme. Jesus' cleansing of a leper bears witness that he is the Messiah, the Christ. And we'll see that he bears witness first by fulfilling the witness of the prophets and second by upholding the witness of the law. The story is short and powerful. Jesus has, Jesus has begun his ministry in Galilee. Matthew tells us the two parts of Jesus' ministry, preaching and healing. In chapter 4, verse 23, we read, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. In chapters 5 to 7, we witness one aspect of Jesus' ministry. We're introduced to Jesus preaching with the Sermon on the Mount. That section ends with Matthew's report at the end of chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. They were astonished by the authority of Jesus' teaching. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at His teaching, for He was teaching them as one who had authority. This is the first aspect of Jesus' ministry that Matthew introduces, His authoritative teaching. And now in chapter 8, Matthew introduces us to the other aspect, Jesus' powerful healing. What an introduction. Matthew begins this introduction to Jesus' healing with this story in our text. So let us behold Jesus' power and authority this morning. Now we don't know where the leper comes from, but we do know where Jesus comes from. And this is what Matthew highlights in verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. The same Jesus who has just spoken with authority on the mountain now descends that mountain with crowds following him. Jesus is not left without witnesses. Great crowds followed him, we're told. That seems to be the point in Matthew's mentioning the crowd. They are witnesses. And God Himself has placed these people there for a reason. 
that they may witness what Jesus is about to do. And do you think it's accidental that God has gathered you here this morning to witness the same? Behold, look, a leper approaches. Unclean, unclean, he cries out. His hand is over his mouth. His hair hangs loose and his clothes are in rags. Can you picture it? And the crowd parts, backs away from the leper as he comes near to Jesus. This man with a skin disease isn't just sick. He is a living representation of death and God-forsakenness. When Moses' sister Miriam became leprous, do you know what their brother Aaron said? He said, Let her not be as one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away. That was his impression of leprosy. And when Nahum and the Syrians sent to the king of Israel to seek healing for his leprosy, the king said, in 2 Kings 5, Am I God to kill and make alive? You see, leprosy was comparable to death. And being cured of leprosy would be like being resurrected. Indeed, only three people in the entire Old Testament were ever cured of leprosy. Moses, in Exodus 4, remember he had to put his hand into his cloak as a sign, and when he took it out, it was leprous. Moses was one of those who was healed of leprosy in the Old Testament, and then Miriam and Naaman, whom we already mentioned. In every case, the healing was a miraculous work of God himself. A miracle. But now this leper comes to Jesus. He kneels before him. He calls him Lord. What does he know about Jesus? We don't know. Matthew doesn't tell us. What does he believe about Jesus? Matthew does tell us something about this. He believes, for one reason or another, that Jesus is able to make him clean. For the leper, it's not a question of whether Jesus is able. It simply depends on whether Jesus is willing. Lord, if you will, he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And look, Jesus stretches out his hand. He touches the leper. He says, I am willing. Be clean. And the leprosy disappears. Everything in an instant. One moment a leper, the next a leper no more. One moment diseased, the next cured. Jesus touches the man and says the word, be clean. And he was clean. Do you hear that? Did you see that? Jesus said, be clean, and he was clean. What power and authority in his word. He says the word, and it is so. Who else can speak with such power and authority, I ask? Well, it reminds us of the word of God in creation, doesn't it? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. power of God we see in Jesus' word. Now what does it mean that Jesus touched the man? 
Well, it means simply this. It's the same thing as his words. I am willing. Do you hear it? Do you see it? Jesus says he is willing. He reaches out and touches the leper. Jesus is willing. Now, this is a wonderful story, isn't it? And the best part is, it's true. And yet, there's a question that we need to ask. What does it mean for us, for us, those of us with incurable diseases, those of us who know people that are suffering, what does it mean for us that Jesus was willing to cleanse the leper? What does it mean for us that Jesus was willing to cleanse the leper? For the leper, Jesus' willingness meant that he actually cured him. Does this mean that Jesus is willing to cure us of our diseases and our loved ones? To answer this question, we need to look at the bigger picture. We need to zoom out and ask, how does this story in our text fit within the bigger picture of God's overall plan of redemption? Or the overall story of the Bible. And when we do so, we find that this story has a specific purpose of fulfilling prophecy. And it bears witness that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. So let's begin to zoom out to get the big picture then. Let's ask this question. What does the bigger picture in Matthew's Gospel bring into focus? What is the significance of Jesus' healings in general? And how does this shed light on the meaning of the healing of the leper in particular? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11 and look at verse 5. Matthew 11 verse 5. Jesus has now performed many miracles and healings at this point. And John the baptizer hears of Jesus' deeds and his words. He wonders if Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And John sends messengers to find out. And here's what Jesus says in chapter 11, verse 5. Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. John should have recognized most of these words from the prophecy of Isaiah. Listen to these words from Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Then there's these words from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And now Jesus says, in Matthew 11, verse 5, that this prophecy is now happening before your eyes. It's being fulfilled. So what does this tell us about Jesus then? What's the significance of these things? In short, these miraculous healings are signs. They're signs that point to Jesus, to who Jesus is. And who is Jesus then? Well, Matthew tells us this in the first verse of his gospel. The beginning of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, says, Jesus is the Messiah, 
the son of David and the son of Abraham. And Matthew, he keeps this emphasis on the identity of Jesus throughout the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is the promised one of Old Testament Scripture. So, for example, we hear echoes of Isaiah's prophecy at Jesus' baptism. The Spirit of God comes down upon Jesus, and Jesus begins a ministry of proclaiming the gospel. You see, Jesus is the one of whom the prophet spoke in Isaiah 60, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And Matthew points to this again in chapter 8, verse 17. Look at chapter 8, verse 17. It's a little bit later in the chapter that we find our text in. He tells us that Jesus' healings point to the fulfillment of Isaiah 53, verse 4. Those words that we sang together. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And again, at several points in Matthew's Gospel, we hear Jesus called the Son of David. And this title appears again and again in connection with Jesus' healing miracles. We hear people cry out to Jesus for healing. And how do they do so? They, they say, have mercy on us, Son of David. And when Jesus heals a blind and mute man in chapter 12, we hear them wonder, can this be the son of David? It seems that the people expected the promised Messiah would be a healer. Or more generally, that the coming of the Messiah would be accompanied by the healing of diseases. This fits with the prophecies of Isaiah I've already mentioned. The prophecies of Isaiah anticipate a coming royal son of David. They anticipate a coming restored kingdom of David in which all wrongs are set right including the healing of diseases. In Isaiah, you have that prophecy of the lion laying with the lamb. The righting of all wrongs that Isaiah sees in the future, coming with the son of David. And now Jesus himself has been proclaiming in Galilee that this heavenly kingdom is at hand. Chapter 4, verse 17, he proclaims, The kingdom is near. The time has come. Jesus' healing of a leper, then, is a proof. The miraculous sign testifies that this long-expected king and his kingdom are close at hand. It confirms Jesus' message. And it proves who he is. Jesus is Israel's Messiah. He is the Christ. But Jesus is also more than Israel's Messiah. He is greater than the Messiah that Israel expected. Did you notice something when we compare Jesus' words in Matthew 11, verse 5, with the words of Isaiah? Like Jesus, Isaiah mentions the blind, the lame, and the deaf. But Isaiah does not mention the lepers. What might this be saying to us? Well, this tells us that Israel could have expected their Messiah to heal so-called ordinary diseases and afflictions. But Jesus' healing of a leper 
goes beyond these expectations. They go beyond the, ex- the ordinary. They are extraordinary. You see, leprosy was a disease, as we saw, that was considered incurable by any human means. If ever it was cured, the glory must be given to God. A person with leprosy was considered as good as dead. In all the Old Testament, only God Himself had ever healed leprosy. It's an incurable disease. Psalm 103 speaks of the Lord as the one who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases. That's Psalm 103, verse 3. But look at Matthew 9, verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. We read there, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. That's what Psalm 103 said, is what the Lord, the God of Israel, does. Now Jesus is healing every disease. So we witness in the healing of the leper that Jesus is no mere man. Jesus speaks with the power and authority of God Himself. And Jesus also acts with the power and authority of God. And He does so in answer to prophecy. And yet He exceeds Israel's expectations. Jesus reveals that He has power and authority to restore those as good as dead. So again, can you and I expect Jesus to heal all our diseases? Before we answer this question, we still need to hear the end of the story. The full story. And this brings us to our second point. Jesus upholds the law. So Jesus has cured the man of leprosy. And nevertheless, he tells him to go to the priest. Look at verse 4. The man is to have himself inspected by the priest, and he's to have sacrifices offered on his behalf by the priest. And this is because that's what the law of God, given through Moses in Leviticus 14, required. Verse 4, Matthew 8, verse 4. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Literally, for a proof to them is for a witness to them. You see, the law says that it is not enough for the leper to be cured. He also has to be declared clean. But what does it mean to be clean? Well, to be clean means to be pure. Under the law, purity and impurity had a symbolic meaning. It's a symbol. And it was God who decided what was clean and what was unclean. Sometimes you read through Leviticus and you wonder, why was this clean and this other thing unclean? 
And the point here is that God decides what is clean and what is unclean. And God does this to teach His people about their sin and salvation and about His holiness. How so? How were the purity laws to teach God's people about sin and salvation? Well, they were to teach them about the holiness of God and the consequences of sin. They point to the need for redemption, for salvation. The laws regarding leprosy are a vivid illustration of this. According to the law, a leper was not only sick, he was unclean. He was forbidden access to God's holy presence in the temple. He was cut off from the fellowship of God's people. He was to live outside the camp. He was about as far removed from God as a Gentile was. Leviticus 13, verse 45 to 46 captures it. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling place shall be outside the camp. So do you hear it? To be declared a leper under the law was like receiving a death sentence. And this death sentence, really, it's the sentence that we all deserve by nature on account of sin. That's what the leper teaches But the laws for lepers were also to point out the kind of redemption from sin that we all need. We need a substitute who takes our impurity on himself. We need atonement through the shedding of our substitute's blood. We need this atonement personally applied. We need to be sprinkled with his blood. Just as the priest was to sprinkle the blood of the offering on the right earlobe and the right thumb and the right toe. It speaks of the blood of Jesus, the salvation that Jesus brings being personally applied. The law points to these things in Leviticus 14. Take some time this afternoon, maybe at lunchtime, to read this chapter and listen for these words, a lamb without blemish. A lamb without blemish. And think of Christ. An atonement. And sprinkling. Listen for the idea of substitution. If by some miraculous work of God a leper was cured, he still had to be declared clean. In the law, in Leviticus 14, God pointed out the way that this cleansing would occur. It was pictured in the sacrifices and ceremonies that God prescribed there. And these pointed forward to the ultimate cleansing that must happen through the sacrifice of God's own Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the spotless Lamb of God who takes the impurity of our sin upon Himself. He takes our curse and goes outside the camp to be forsaken by God. It's by the sprinkling of His blood that we are made truly clean. It's by the ministry of His Spirit that we enjoy fellowship with God. 
So why does Jesus tell the leper not to tell anyone about his healing? Jesus tells the man not to tell anyone himself in order that the law might bear witness to the healing instead. Rather than the man's own words bearing witness, Jesus wanted the word of God to bear witness. And this would be a far greater testimony than the man's own words. Because how does the law bear witness? It points to the necessity of sin's atonement for ultimate cleansing. This healing from leprosy is a picture of the healing that we need and that comes through Jesus Christ. The healing of the root cause of uncleanness, our sin. Only through the death of Christ will the root cause of uncleanness be removed. Only through His resurrection and the giving of His Spirit will the dead be made alive. When Jesus heals the leper in our text, this still needs to happen. Jesus still needs to go to the cross and rise from the dead and ascend and give His Spirit. The law is not yet fulfilled at this point in history. And Jesus has come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. As it says in Matthew five seventeen, And so He upholds the abiding relevance of the law in our text. The law must yet be fulfilled. And it will be fulfilled by the one who has power to cleanse lepers, those as good as dead. Only God has that power. And Jesus has that power. Indeed, with the cleansing of the leper, we witness that the kingdom of heaven is near. It's near with this cleansing. But the kingdom must yet come through the cross. This is how the law must be fulfilled. And today, brothers and sisters, we stand on the other side of the cross. That is, in terms of time, we stand after the cross. Through the cross and the the kingdom of the Son of David has actually come. And is coming to the Gentiles. And in the gospel, we may know this Son of David as the risen and reigning Son of God. You see, this story of Jesus healing a leper is part of a bigger story. It's part of God's story of redemption. And that story reaches its climax in the cross and resurrection of Christ. That's the climax. And it reaches its consummation, its final end in a new creation. The climax is Christ. The consummation is the new creation. And the new creation is where the story of redemption finds its completion. The new creation will be the place where all diseases are healed. Even the incurable ones. Death itself will be no more. Fellowship with God will be unclouded and undisturbed by sin. We read of this in Revelation 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the new creation 
that God promises us. And Christ has risen from the dead as the first fruits of this new creation. And when God counts those who believe in Christ to have died with Christ, then He also gives us His Spirit to unite us to the power of Christ's resurrection. We read of this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see, there's a connection between Christ bringing the new creation and then bringing it to us. And then finally, bringing us the new creation to come. And we've pictured a reality, or we've witnessed a picture of this reality in Jesus' healing of the leper in our text. We can summarize the message this way then that Jesus restores the leper as a testimony to the greater restoration that he will bring to a redeemed creation. This healing of the leper is a picture of the healing of the world. And with this perspective, we are in a better position to answer the question that I raised earlier. Can you and I expect Jesus to heal all our diseases? And the answer is a qualified yes. But it's not qualified by the extent of Jesus' willingness. Now we see in the gospel of the cross that just how far Jesus' willingness goes. Now the qualification in this yes is whether we are willing to receive restoration on God's terms. Can you and I expect Jesus to heal all our diseases? If we mean by this the kind of healing that is temporary, we have in Scripture no clear promise that He will. But if we mean complete, final, comprehensive all-inclusive, eternal healing, and we have a Bible that points to exactly that. A full Bible. Both the law and the prophets testify to the ability and willingness of God in Jesus Christ to restore us and His redeemed creation to a state that far exceeds anything we have ever known in our health, in this creation. Our God promises in the gospel, restoration in the way of redemption. So take hold of this promise this morning by faith and live by it. In Christ, your restoration is near. In Christ, God is willing to grant complete restoration. His willingness extends to the full and final restoration of body and soul. Yes, even to the ultimate restoration of creation itself. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's Romans 8, verse 18 to 21. In Christ, the firstborn from the dead, 
and the first fruits of the new creation in Christ, we have the guarantee that a hope placed in God will not be disappointed. As Peter says in 1 Peter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And by God's power, we are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this we rejoice, though now for a little while we are grieved by various trials. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Amen. Let's sing from Psalm 103, stances 1, 2, 4, and 5.